0: Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to turn our attention for a moment to the Trayvon Martin Zimmerman case. All of us know of it. We've watched it rip up the country. We've watched the riots. We've perhaps paid attention to the trial. We've heard the scream fests on cable TV. It's a tragic situation that's gonna hang over our country for years to come. I wanna divide my comments just briefly into, first of all, spiritual issues, second of all, a brief comment on legal issues, and finally, a couple of moral matters. You know, I, I, I have to say that before we talk about anything partisan, before any of your other opinions come to bear on this situation, I hope you can just feel for a moment the grief of yet another black youth in America being killed. It happens, I hope you know, so often, so inappropriately, often in murky, suspicious circumstances. And whatever is true of the way that Trayvon Martin died, I I just hope that you feel the grief that yet another African-American youth in America has died and died tragically. Second of all, I, I hope that you are surprised and stunned and committed to changing the fact that race is still such a factor in America. You know, I am. I am perfectly willing to admit that perhaps I am um, living in a bubble, but a different kind of bubble than you might think. I live uh, much of the year in Washington D.C. I attend a largely African American church. I I, I know it's trite it and even be insulting to say in certain circumstances, but tr- it is absolutely true that, that most of my best friends are black. Uh, it's, 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 um, and yet I was stunned, um, and still am, at the vitriol and hatred and racist statements made, even by prominent people, the stupid, bigoted statements that were made publicly. Uh, I thought we had outgrown some of this i don 't live in that kind of environment, though I live in an, a very african American city uh in context and again i obviously am living in something of a bubble but a different kind of bubble than what i would what what a person would usually mean if they were saying I live in a you know all white city and we don 't have any racial tension well of course you don't, but that 's not what i 'm saying. I live in the opposite and feel completely comfortable there, and I just somehow was unaware that this level of racism was possible nationwide. Oh, I knew there were pockets of it, of course. But this level, nationwide, and even amongst the prominent and the broadcasters in our country, absolutely stunned. And then finally, I have to say that I'm stunned and dismayed by the demagogues, those who expand their mailing lists and raise funds and try to increase their prominence um, by manipulating and exploiting the situation. On both sides, they're doing it. It's absolutely wicked. And, of course, it's making it worse in our society. I'm not a lawyer, but I do want to make a brief comment on the issues of the law. Some of my advisors on this are, believe it or not, African-American DAs in Florida. And the fact of the matter is that the Florida has a self-defense law that is unique among American states, um, very unusual. And for that reason, and that reason alone, the jury ruled appropriately under Florida law. I'm not saying that it was a moral ruling. I'm not saying that I like the ruling. I think the law is badly worded and often misapplied um, and, and and unwise in some of what it ends up saying because of that poor wording. However, uh, Florida law gives great latitude to those who feel themselves threatened and thus are acting out of an attitude of self-defense. And for that reason only, though I don't like it, the jury was within the pale of Florida law. And so the idea that there's a conspiracy, the idea that perhaps they were swayed by something illegitimate, that even, even African-American legal scholars are saying that it's, it's an appropriate judgment, verdict, I should say, not ruling, but a verdict, under Florida law. It's not perhaps under federal law. It may not be under God's law, but that is the way Florida law reads. Finally, I want to say this, laying legal issues aside, laying the great broad spiritual issues that are ripping up the country aside, the, the fact of the matter is that if we're going to avoid this kind of thing in the future, the the answer I don't believe is going to be in uh, primarily in race issues, uh, nor is it going to be primarily uh, in the wording of laws, I think it's something else, and this is going to make me sound something like I'm leaning one way or the other in this case. I hope you'll hear what I'm what I'm striving to say and understand why. Uh, the The fact of the matter is that while Mr. Zimmerman may be a fine man, uh, the fact that is that he has been arrested before uh, for domestic violence. He has a history of violence. He also has a history of bigoted, racist statements, um, by his own admission. Um he's a man who is um got his biases, is over overzealous, overzealous in the um in his pursuit of certain kinds of people. And I'll have to say that if we're going to avoid this kind of situation in the future, whatever Trayvon Martin's wrongs were, and I certainly think there's evidence that he behaved inappropriately, if not murderously, in this situation. Uh, the fact is he's a teenage boy, and Mr. Zimmerman. Uh, is the adult. He's the official. And those who hire him, those who empower him, those who put him in a position to protect a community, have got to consider whether he's capable of conducting himself uh, without uh, giving in to his biases and personal beliefs. That seems to not have been considered in his hiring. I certainly am not accusing him or or reversing the verdict in my mind. He may very well have operated in self-defense. He may have lit up Trayvon Martin to the point where Trayvon behaved in a murderously inappropriate way. But the saddest moment to me in this entire uh, episode, the saddest saddest moment I have had, is when I'm watching television and they play the 911 call that Mr. Zimmerman made. And he says he's going to pursue Trayvon Martin. And the operator says, we don't need you to do that. Trying to talk him out of it, realizing that a conflict is about to ensue. Had he listened... Had he been more in control of himself, had he been less bigoted in his attitude towards black youth who appeared to be standing around doing nothing and perhaps posing a threat, we wouldn't be here now. I I can't judge. Only one man on the whole planet knows what happened that night, and that's Mr. Zimmerman. We can't judge exactly what happened. We don't know exactly what happened. What we do know, and it may not even have been the cause of the whole matter, but what we do know... Is that a man empowered with authority gave in to his own personal biases rather than exercise the higher moral judgments of the kind of uh, uh, typical of the kind of people we want to see empowered with with this kind of authority with the authority of a badge uh, with the uh, with the charge and the obligation and the responsibility to protect a community. On that night, Mr. Zimmerman should have protected Trayvon Martin, too. He should have simply called the police and left the situation to them if, indeed, there was anything to call the police about, and he certainly should not have given in to his own personal biases. We need to hold the adults more responsible, and we need to hold those who bear the badge, who wear the badge, who are empowered with the authority of state or community or even just a block in a community. We need to hold them to greater responsibility. At a moral level, that responsibility rested with Mr. Zimmerman. At a legal level, it may not have. And it's certainly true that Trayvon Martin misbehaved, but let's remember he's a 16, he was, I'm sorry to say, a 16-year-old boy. We heal this by prayer. We heal this by asking God to help us. We heal this by being certainly a less racist people, but we also heal it by making sure that our officials are the people of character and moral vision and self-restraint that we hope they'll be. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times best-selling author, a popular speaker, frequent faith and culture commentator on CNN, Fox, and The Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Search for God in Guinness, Lincoln's Battle with God, and Killing Jesus. You can learn more about Stephen at MansfieldGroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Rights. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnold, who also wrote Performed and produced the Rockin' and Rollin' podcast theme song. This is a Chartwell Literary Group production.